Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com? and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning. It's been a crazy week. I um, was eating breakfast. It was Tuesday morning, I think. Because Monday, I, I heard the news, I was bummed out. Tuesday, I bit into some bacon, and my tooth cracked. Like, just a quarter of my tooth, just boom, there it is. I'm like, what is this? Did I chew on a rock? I'm like, oh, that's my tooth. So I had to go and, and get my tooth. They didn't call it a crown. They capped it. I don't know if there's a difference between a cap and a crown. But I got my tooth capped, and, and so that happened. And then it, it's just been a lot of things happening this week. This morning when I woke up, I, I usually get up on Sunday mornings early because I have to rethink everything I just wrote down that I'm going to say to you on Sunday morning because I usually sleep on it in the night and go, I don't know if I'm going to say that. And so I rewrite everything usually Sunday morning. So I got up around 5 o'clock this morning to kind of just redo everything. And then I was getting in the shower. And, and as I was getting ready to go into the shower, well, I should stop and, and say that one of the girls, one of my granddaughters, apparently took a bubble bath the, the night before in the bath. And apparently, bubbles are very slippery. They're kind of like oil on porcelain. And so I stepped into the bathtub getting ready to take a shower, and I just slid forward and slammed my head against the tile. It woke my wife up, right? At 5 in the morning, she's like, was that an earthquake? What happened? And I'm just sitting there, standing up, trying to keep my balance, just like, oh, oh, what happened? And and I just had, I I don't know if it's bruised yet, but if you see me like with a big welt on my head, you know that's what it is. Or if I pass out before you, call 911 and you know what happened, okay? Yeah, he hit his head today. But So I, I hit my head, woke my wife up, woke myself up before I almost passed out and had this kind of epiphany about prayer and what prayer is. And so if you can, turn with me uh, to Acts chapter 2. If 
the church is born. God has chosen to use people to continue developing what Jesus was promoting. It's interesting that Jesus, throughout his ministry and what we have in Scripture, doesn't really talk about salvation or leading someone to salvation. He talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about people becoming a part of the kingdom of God. And then later on, Paul starts talking about salvation. And really, I I think they're very much connected, that the kingdom of God and the salvation is working hand in hand because it is our salvation to be a part of the kingdom of God. And in chapter 2, starting at verse 42 in the book of Acts, we say, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad hearts, glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's so much in this passage, but there's a couple things that I really want to pull out. And one of them is the word that's used for a prayer in verse 42, because actually it is the breaking of bread and the prayers. If you have an English standard version or some other new translations, it actually translates it correctly. Which is interesting because we just say prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. It's like, okay, yeah, prayer. It's some kind of talking about God. But when it says devoted to the prayers, questions come up, right? Like what question? Like what prayers, right? Don't you want to like, what prayers are those? Well, most likely the Lord's Prayer, one that Jesus himself taught them, and very likely some of the uh, Jewish prayers of the Psalms. And the reason that this is important is because we see that there's this devoting themselves to these things, to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. There is this determination that takes place within them that they are going to continue these things and develop these things. And so what they do is they develop, in a sense, a routine. They have a routine. We're going to follow these teachings. We're going to get together. We're going to celebrate the Lord and who he's done, breaking bread together, remembering what he's done, and the prayers, whatever the prayers were. But there was a routine that they devoted themselves to these things. And if you're like me, the idea of a routine is something that's difficult. I'm not a routine kind of a person. My top Five in the strengths finders is adaptability. That's the kind of, it's like, I don't need a routine. I'll go with the flow. I'll find out what's happening. We'll adjust, readjust, and then we'll make it happen. But routine is an important part of our lives. I mean, there's so many areas where routine's important and we all fall into. You shower every day. You wash. You brush your teeth. You use deodorant. If you don't do those routines for your family and our sake, please start. 
right? Routines are important. They're necessary for us to be able to, to function in society, but there's also spiritual routines, routines that help our souls and help us to be strengthened in so many other areas, and it talks about these routines. They're important. Spiritual growth, it's interesting because the key to spiritual growth is developing healthy, holy routines things that we are committed to, that we do over and over again. And those spiritual disciplines are something that carry us and develop the character within us. But once the routine becomes routine, we need to change the routine because oftentimes they become empty rituals. And that's something that happens very often something that was very meaningful for us, something that had meant a lot to us becomes a routine and it's lost its meaning and it just becomes a habit, a ritual. There's six times in the Psalms that the psalmist says, sing a new song to the Lord. Why do you have to sing a new song? Don't you like the oldies? Why why do we have to have new songs? They've done some tests with the memory and how people think, and they say that after about 30 times of hearing a song over and over again, that we stop thinking about the lyrics. You know them, but you stop thinking about them. And think about that. Maybe you have a favorite song that you like. Right now, I've been listening to The Miracle by U2. I just like that song, like, snapped in my mind. It's like, oh, I love that song. And so I'll just keep playing it over and over and over again. But you ever notice, like, oh, I love this part, and I'm waiting for the part, but next thing, the part came and went. Where was Oh, I, I need to go back and listen to it. Why? Why? Because you checked out. You've heard it so many times, it doesn't catch you anymore. And pretty soon, that ta- song that was your favorite has just become routine. It's become another song. And think of the implications of worship. When we sing a song over and over, and pretty soon it's like we're lip syncing. We can say the words, but we can be thinking about something else where that song one time gripped our hearts, brought us to tears, and now we sing through it as if it's just another song. And sometimes we become aware of these things when an event happens in our lives, a tragedy, something that brings us to our knees or or causes us to have just more focus. And all of a sudden the song comes back to life again because this event has shaken things where our focus is regained. And so the problem is we, we need routines, but we don't want routines to become mundane. We don't want them to become something where it's just the actions that we go through, but we need to go through them. And it's important that we recognize these things. And what happens if we don't sing a new song, if we don't own the song, then it never really owns us. And I was thinking, what a tragedy it is that most of the words we use to worship God are written by someone else and not by us. 
I'm not saying you have to be a songwriter. But wouldn't it be great if you were able to worship God with your own words, with something fresh that is from your own heart daily? That we are able to give of ourselves to the Lord in this way. But that's the difficult thing, is, is living with this, I have to be in a routine, I have to pray, but I don't want my prayers to become routine. I saw a TED Talk by a brain scientist. I didn't know there were such things, but there's brain scientists, okay? Her name was Jill Taylor. And Jill had studied the brain and the effects of mental uh, illness because her brother uh, had some mental illnesses, and so she was very intrigued to try and bring help to him, why he couldn't enjoy life like she could because of how his brain functioned. But then one day, Jill had a stroke. And as she had the stroke, she started getting up and didn't, wasn't aware that she had a stroke. And then all of a sudden she saw her hand and her hand was like a claw. And she's like, well, that's, that's weird. What's going on? I wonder why that's happening. And then there was this other part of her brain that would say, you know, today is wonderful. This is a beautiful day. I can't believe how glorious the, the, the sun feels. And it's just marvelous how wonderful this day is. I could just stay here all day. And then all of a sudden she'd come back and she goes, no, you can't stay here today. You've actually got to go to work. And she goes, okay, I've got to go to work. But then she found that she couldn't go to work because she couldn't function. And then at some point she realized I had a stroke. And she says, you know, from a brain scientist, this is like I'm an experiment trying to figure this out. And so she's like got this analytical mind trying to understand what's happening, being aware of what's happening, but being who it's happening to. And she's like, this is a marvelous thing. This is a terrible thing, right? She's living in this thing. And so as she's thinking, I had a stroke, she goes back into this place of just, you know what? This is good. I don't need to go to work. Life is wonderful, and she's having this euphoric sensation and these thoughts, and then it goes back and says, you need to get some help. You're not good. You need to make a phone call. So then she goes, okay, I'll go to, to call my work, and then she goes, and she can't remember the number. And then she slides back out again and says, it's okay. You don't need to worry about it. Everything's fine. This is wonderful. She has this, again, this feeling of everything's good. And then she slips back in. You need to make a phone call right now. This is important. So she goes to her desk where the cards are, but she looks at the card where her number would be, and she can't read it. It's all just pixels. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And so she's thinking, this is bad. I, I can't do anything. But then she slips back out again, and she starts just kind of being in this, you know, altered state and everything's good but she finally focuses and is able to see the numbers on the card or what it looks like and then associate it with what it looks like on the phone and so finally she calls her work and her assistant answers the phone but when they answered the phone his voice sounds like she said he sounded like a golden retriever she couldn't understand his voice even though she heard it she couldn't understand what he said Reminds me of what Gil went through about a month ago or so when he had that 
episode. And, and so then she starts to talk to him to try and tell him what's going on. And she says, she sounds like a golden retriever too. She can't communicate, but he finds out something's wrong. They get her to the hospital. And then intense pain and therapy to help her get past these things. And all she can remember was this dichotomy of, you know, I remember even in this experience having this joy, this love, this desire to see peace. And then I had this drive to have to do things and to make sure things were done. And then I'd slip back and have this. And she says, I just want to marry those two things. The world would be better if everyone felt like I did when I had that stroke. There would be no more violence. There would be no more prejudice. There would be none of the things that caused so many of the problems here. And as she said that, I thought of this, this idea of the routine and the new and how we need to marry these two things together, how we need to be disciplined, how we need to continue and why they gave us the prayers was probably so you had a place to start. In fact, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And it's important as we read what we know as the Our Father. In Luke account of this. In Luke's account of this, he actually says, when they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, when you pray, say this. Think about that. Lord, teach us to pray. Just talk to God. Right? That's what, hey, just talk to God. But when he says, Lord, teach us to pray, he says, say this. And this is what he wants us to say. Okay, chapter 6, starting at verse 7. Starts off and he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. There's the routine. We'll say the same words. We'll say a lot of words. The more words we say, the better it is. He says, babbling isn't going to cut it. They think they'll be heard because they have a lot to say. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Which brings up the question, so why do I have to ask him, right? You have to ask him for your sake. The routine is an important one. You need to go before God. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we think of a routine, something that we have to do It can start off being something exciting. When we started the 40-day prayer challenge, the first day, everyone was excited. We were all there. Hey, look at everyone was there. It was thrilling to see so many people there. We're on day 30 now. It's not as exciting for everyone all the time. I, I even have some struggles sometimes. Oh, here it is again. I usually have the struggle the night before when thinking I better go to bed because I got to get up. 
And all of a sudden, the excitement can, can start to, to lose its power. That first time when something happens, we're excited about it. But then as time goes on, we start getting bored and we want to move to something else. I think it happens in faith communities a lot. People go to a church, come here. Oh, I love Genesis. It's the best place. I've never seen a place like this. Oh, man, it's so neat. It's so exciting. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad you like it. You know, and then I just wait. When's it going to happen? Yeah, the Lord's leading me somewhere else. I thought we were the cat's meow. Do they say, still say that, the cat's meow? I don't know. But you see, after a while, no matter what it is, starts to become routine. Happens in relationships. You meet her, and oh man, you are creative, you are romantic, you are caring about every little detail. You're making sure you look right, you say the right things. She'll never know who you really are, not if you can help it. And you put your best foot forward to try and make that impression. I remember some of the things I used to do when Corrine and I were dating, the little notes I would write her. I had made her like these little models almost of things. It's like, man, what was I thinking? I was just like, you were so excited then. You were creative and you were stepping into it. But what happens after the four kids and after the 30 years and the excitement, if it's not there, what's going to happen? And you can't maintain the same excitement, right? I, I couldn't. But I have to not let it become so routine that it loses the love, that it loses the power that needs to be there. See, because love is creative. Love isn't just repetitive. The way I tell my wife I love her isn't by just getting her a Hallmark card and saying, here you go, here's your card for the day. Here's another card. This one's got some good stuff. Here's another card. See, all of a sudden, this is not an expression of love. Oh, yeah, maybe for Mother's Day, a birthday, here's an expression. But if I just gave her a card every day instead of telling her, showing her I love her, pretty soon it would start to really be a problem. No, then you find out that she really thinks that you're showing her that you love her when you do the dishes. Who knew? Right? Doing dishes is a sign of love. Vacuum cleaning. Helping with the clothes, doing those things are all signs of love. It can be displayed in so many ways, but you see, that's it. Love is fresh and it's clean and it keeps that dynamic. It is part of that singing a new song. If we're not careful, pretty soon we'll pray without thinking. And really, that's just as bad as thinking without praying. Pretty soon, prayers will just become words without meaning, just like I love you can become words without the emotion if you're not careful. And so having a routine that's new and fresh, it's where it needs to be married. That's where we need to step in to this area. And so sometimes doing things just a little bit differently, 
Yeah, making a routine. I'm going to pray every day. Some days I'll pray on my knees. Some days I can pray while I'm walking. Some days I can pray laying down. Sometimes I can pray with my hands up. Sometimes I can pray with my arms up. Different ways to pray, to engage yourself to think and not allow the routine to overtake it. Because really, the prayers are always going to be similar. I'm sure if you're a parent, you always pray for your children. I'm sure you pray for very similar things. How do you keep it from becoming unimportant and routine? By making it new. By remembering, by doing something different, by writing it down instead of just praying it out loud, by getting together with others. And, and this is something that stood out to me in this prayer that Jesus tells us. Say this. Whenever I used to think about the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive us our sins, give us this day, I always Felt like it was just me, like, give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my sins. But it's communal. It's not an individual thing. Just like he is the vine, we are the branches, is talking about his people, not just you individually. This prayer is also communal. Notice that he's not saying when you pray, just you say this. You're to say, our Father, who art in heaven, right? Give us this day. So you're not asking just for yourself for the daily food. Who's the us? Is it the church at large all over the world? Is it our community? Is it our family? Is it all of the above? You see, already it's inclusive to include others and forgive us our sins. Who's the us? Is it just your family? Is it just your church? Or is it the church? Is it our country? Who is the us? It's bigger than you. And I think one of the reasons that prayer can become mundane is because we make it so personal that we don't share it with anyone. One of the interesting things is we've been getting together and praying. I'm hearing other people pray. And some people, they have a certain way of praying. It might be calm. It might be, you know, even tone. Some people are more dynamic. And you start thinking, okay, they came from a Pentecostal background. Okay, they came from a Mennonite background or something. I don't know. And you start seeing the personality of the person coming up, and pretty soon it's different because you don't know how someone else is going to pray. But the us is supposed to be there. It's not just an individual that he's talking to. It is the collective that he's talking to. He's trying to help us see the diversity and the importance in these things, that we do them together, that we pray together, that we connects to one another. It's even connected to thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, there's this invitation in the prayer that we are a part of what God is doing. And so it takes all of us to get there. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
here like it is in heaven. So give us this day our daily bread. That now means I'm responsible for someone who does not have that daily bread. Forgive us our sins. That means I'm now responsible for the actions of my brother who stumbles and struggles and falls. I am now a part of this. And what is that? That's actually a part of what the kingdom of God looks like. It's bringing the love of God down here so that it starts to shape the people to act like Christ did, which brings them into relationship with God, which brings wholeness to them, which is going to bring them into a place of salvation. When we started off in Acts, notice they devoted themselves to the prayers, whatever those prayers were. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And that says all the believers were together and had everything in common. All of them. They sold the property possession to give to anyone who had need. You see, it wasn't about God meet my need. God forgive my sins. It was God, if your kingdom is going to come, if you are going to work then I am a part of it, then we are a part of it. So give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now my prayers have just gotten a whole lot bigger and should be a whole lot more Inclusive. The routine is to pray. And if you want to start with the Lord's Prayer, that's a great one to pray. But don't let the routine become mundane. Sing a new song to the Lord. Allow it to be fresh. Don't go on babbling, thinking that all I have to do is show up and give words. No, you have to be there because it is inclusive. It's not just about you. It's about us. And if we would recognize that together we are the ones who can reveal the kingdom of God to the community around us, to the people, our family, but it takes all of us, what a difference it would make if all the churches stopped being like the police chief talks about, exclusive in silos, not wanting to work with each other, but instead started to say, oh God, forgive us our sins. Give us this day our daily bread. And that includes the people who are in need. We are gonna work together so that we can bring the kingdom of God to their lives as well. This is the gospel. This is the good news this is the kingdom of God that has been entrusted to us until Christ returns. Let's pray. Father, you know that I have such a hard time with routine and I am so cautioned about making things mundane. But Lord, to my own fault, I have neglected so much especially as Genesis is concerned, 
and not establishing routines and then taking the effort to make sure that they are fresh and alive. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help me help us in this endeavor to not neglect your teachings that we find in Scripture, the fellowship that is taking place here, Lord. I, I, maybe I've made it too lax where people don't feel the importance or need to gather, to gather together. But Lord, we shouldn't neglect that. We shouldn't neglect that breaking of bread, celebrating your table, and we shouldn't neglect the prayers. And I thank you for these past 29 days, Lord, and what you have done in me through this routine. And Lord, how it's been work to try and keep it fresh and alive, but what's happening is that I am fresh and alive and that I am being the one who's transformed, Lord. Not because I'm asking for transformation, but because I'm trying to keep the routine fresh and alive because it is that important. Lord, I I pray for all who are here that you would knit our hearts together to every time we hear this prayer and pray this prayer, when we think your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord, you know that you're talking to all of us. You're, You're helping us to see the vision that you have for your church. And when we say, give us this day our daily bread, Lord, might it extend beyond our table at home? Might it extend to this community here at Genesis? And might it extend to this community here at Upland? And might it extend to the children who are in Mexico? And might it extend to the children who are in Haiti? Might it extend to the ends of this earth, Lord? Because it is our desire to be your hands and feet. Lord, we do pray you would forgive us our sins. Lord, for being so neglectful to your calling and what you have for us, bringing the kingdom of heaven to be seen in what we do. Lord, may it start here. May it start now. May it start fresh. May it be a fire that burns in us and may it be a routine that we continue to kindle and fan the flame. That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, as we are praying, we desire to step into this role. And I'm asking you, if you would like to step into this role with me, would you stand to your feet as we desire to be the people of God, as we desire the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we want to take this mantle and pass it on in new and fresh ways, the routine that is beautiful and alive. Father, you see us here, Lord, we commit ourselves to you and you alone. Lord, we commit ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to being here for one another, remembering you and for the prayers. Be honored, we ask in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.